Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Today is episode four, a letter to the woman who wants to know more about her fertility. Today we're welcoming Miss Brianna Ellie to the podcast, but she won't be Brianna Ellie for too much longer because she's getting married here this fall. And woo, congratulations. <laughs> and I first met Brianna when she was a campus minister at St. Isidore's Catholic Student Center in Manhattan, Kansas. So welcome, Brianna. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Chloe. It's so great to be a part of your podcast. I feel pretty special. Aww. So to start out with, <laughs> can we just introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Oh, man. <laughs> that's a loaded that's, question. <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> Uh, well, let's see. I am, um, I don't know, pretty basic. I mm-hmm. grew up in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, to a Catholic family, um, was baptized and everything when I was a baby, mm-hmm. and went to Catholic grade school, and then went to public middle school and high school, which mm-hmm. going from a private school to a public school is quite a culture shock. Amen. Learned <laughs> a lot of new words. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Went to Shattern State College. I thought I was going to be a teacher. Then mm-hmm. did orientation or classroom observations and said, nope, not for me. Mm-hmm. Then um, went into nursing. And I think my spiritual journey was pretty intense. I don't know. It was it was mainly in college. But mm-hmm. I think in middle school and high school, I was just, I mean, I went to church and everything, the CCD, the usual blah, 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 yep. Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was always something inside of me that was wanting more. Like mm-hmm. I was one of the kids that actually wanted to go to church, wanted to go to CCD. Mm-hmm. And, um, while I, I enjoyed it, I, I mean, there was just always something I wanted to learn more, like didn't go deep enough yeah. for me, but I just didn't know where to find, you know, those deep answers. So, um, Anyway, in college, you know, I kept with my faith. We had, like, a Newman Center, and I had Catholic friends. Um, But, you know, when you don't feed that hunger with the right things, you quickly turn to things that don't completely fill you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I kind of got stuck in, I mean, the party crowd just a few years and dated a guy I probably shouldn't have. Mm And really, when I grew was, um, I had a nun, which you are familiar with, Sister Barbara Ellen. Yeah. I kind of discerned the vocation of um, becoming a sister a little bit in high school. And so I had a sister from my parish, I knew Sister Barbara Ellen. But anyway, they invited me to go down to that um, program, Prayer in Action, down in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, I don't know any of these people. Yep. And <laughs> where in Kansas am I going? I don't even like Kansas. What is it? <laughs> it's like a different country. <laughs> um, and so, because there were like college students, apparently like me, that learned about their faith. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll give it a try, whatever. <laughs> whatever. And I, that was the first time in my life that I met people like me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait. There's more people like me. Like, you can be Catholic and cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just had never seen them together. (laughs) (laughs) And, I, you know, I finally saw what it was to be an authentic Catholic young adult. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The men there were, you know, authentic and gentlemen and just full of Jesus. And then the women were just so at peace with themselves and had, um, had something that I wanted, something that I really desired. 
And so I just, every summer I kept coming back because it was like my yearly fill mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. that I needed to grow in my faith. And so that's kind of how I eventually ended, ended up down in Kansas was mm-hmm. being a leader at that program. And then, um, then, um, doing campus ministry at St. Isidore's. So it's just kind of crazy. The doors that opened when I started like digging deeper and deeper. Yeah. So yeah, it really wasn't, it really wasn't until college that I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much more. Mm -hmm. I kind of say like, I learned about Jesus in Nebraska, but I fell in love with Jesus in Kansas. That's awesome. That's so neat. (laughs) And I love how like, because you're open to it, like it's a door that wouldn't like, oh, you know, I studied nursing and then now like you worked as a campus minister and. And being a leader of prayer and action, like that's nothing. Well, prayer and action may have something to do with nursing, depending how <laughs> safe everybody is on <laughs> house painting duties. But <laughs> safety woman for the summer. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I had a lot of people when I, you know, graduated nursing school, and I mean, I was working prayer and action this summer after I graduated nursing school, and they're like, "So, what are you going to do this next year?" I'm like, "Well, work as a nurse." Duh. Yeah, yeah. And then I had Father Father Gail Hammerschmidt. Mm-hmm down in Kansas he's like well you should look at doing this campus ministry job and I'm like please I need to be a nurse and then um yeah I ended up doing it so the leap of faith was called and I don't regret it at all and um so so it was there that I like went to all the bible studies went to like the RCIA (laughs) things and um did like just did a lot of research myself and I just like whoa, this faith is amazing. I have so much to learn and it's never ending. Yeah. I love that about our faith though. Like I love like learning and never being able to learn everything about Catholicism. Like there's always something new to learn, which is so good. Yes. That's so cool. I just wish I could remember everything. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You're taking it. Keep building. Not enough space in my brain. So when you were at St. Isidore's, you taught classes at that, that center about John Paul II and theology of the body, love and responsibility, and I was actually able to attend a couple of those. So how did you first learn about John Paul II and then his theology of the body? Like, when did you first come across that? And you know, you sent me that question mm-hmm. before, and I literally sat here mm-hmm. thinking, I don't even remember when I came across. John Paul II. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, um, when I was at Prayer in Action, they handed out the book, How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing mm, Your Soul. That's which a good one. I'm just going to say, if there's a young woman out here that has not read that book, you have to read it. It's, it's <laughs> a very good book. Very life changer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I actually received it the first summer and just put it in my pile of stuff when I got home and didn't even look at it. I'm like, yeah. whatever. The second year I went, I'm like, okay, I was in a bad relationship at that point. I mm-hmm. just like, fine, I'll open it up, and I was never the same after that. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Completely changed. Um, so Jason Everett, <clears throat> I quickly fell in love with his writings and his books, and kind of listened to like all of his podcasts. Like I get a hold of because I just he told me what authentic authentic love looks like and where I could find it. And that was in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there were men out there that, um, worth waiting for. And it was like the first time I had that hope again. Like I, you know, was just kind of finding guys that were nice and I got along with, but not really everything that God could, I mean, 
could provide in a man. I, I didn't realize that. So, um, but Jason Everett had a huge love for John Paul II because he does a lot of like chastity. And so I think honestly, I just had learned, I mean, he said something about theology of the body or something in one of his podcasts. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I wrote it down. I'm like, okay, next book to read. <laughs> <laughs> you should see my collect. I have like a whole box of like chastity books. That's awesome. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good subject to learn about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, when I was working in Manhattan, I had like a whole bookshelf full, like kids would come up to me. So I need a book on this. Okay. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, so then I ran into like theology, of the body stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Christopher West had a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Janet Smith had a lot. And with, with nursing, I ran into a lot of when I was reading about, you know, theology, the body stuff, a lot of questions just about sexuality and the teachings yeah. of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So Janet Smith had a lot of answers on that. Nice. I mean, you go online. I mean, you can find anything. Mm-hmm. True, <laughs> true. So, so I, I ran into theology of the body along the way and started reading, you know, the beginner's guide to theology mm-hmm. of the body, then theology of the body explained. And then while I was in Manhattan... Um, as a campus minister, I was able to take a course to help me in my ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the Theology of the Body Institute in Philadelphia nice. one summer and took an immersion course. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just, uh, that experience was just hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, everything in the world made sense finally. Everything about our faith finally came together. And it's just like putting all of our pieces together. Like we believe in the saints. Yes, we believe in, you know, Mary as our intercessor. We believe in the Eucharist. But it brought all the pieces finally together mm-hmm. that, you know, our our bodies speak the language of our faith. Yep. And it's, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, and I quickly, I, I realized that this message needed to get out with theology of the body, that was what was going to reach college students Mm -hmm. because it all has to do with that hunger, that deepest longing that we have, that we, you know, you, what you lay awake in bed at night thinking there's something more, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there has to be something more to this life. I'm not fulfilled. I, you know, I have Jesus maybe in my life. Maybe I don't, I have a loving family in my life or I don't. And and I kind of found that in my own life, like I was a perfectionist, like, okay, once I get a straight A's in this course or in this semester, I'll be completely fulfilled. Or once I graduate with all honors, I'll be completely fulfilled. Once I win this basketball tournament, I'll be completely fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And you still lie, I mean, you'll still accomplish all those things. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. And you lie awake at night thinking... I'm still not completely fulfilled. And why is that? And it's because our hearts were made for so much more. And that is God. Um, of course, St. Augustine said the famous quote of our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is, it is so true. Um, and once you like realize your biggest longing, God continues to stretch it even further and further and further until you're so hungry for him. You can't stand it. So, <laughs> Um, but that's, that's it. And I, I saw that in my own life and I can see 
how, especially in college, in college campus, when for the first time, these kids are alone. Um, they don't have mom and dad to take care of them. They're finally learning about independence mm -hmm. and they, it's up to them to fill up their time with what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, in college you can get involved in 10 million clubs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can get involved in all sorts of academics. I mean, college, it provides a great opportunity to get involved in a lot of things. And I know I always told the freshmen down in Manhattan, I'm like, just, you know, take a semester, see what you like, because each club will pull you in. It's <laughs> so, true. It's so true. <laughs> so, but just make sure you fill your time with things that define you mm -hmm. and tell people who you are. And so it's so easy in college, I think, to fill up that hunger with things that minimally make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to get so caught up in that, that party crowd that our culture says, this is going to fulfill you, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. but you go to those parties, you experience those parties, you experience the aftermath of those parties and people end up completely empty and ashamed. And it just attests to what God put in our hearts in the beginning, that blueprint that we're made for more. Yeah. That's so, so um, I just saw college kids as very vulnerable and mm -hmm. who I was and saw this message needs to get out to them. So at least they, they know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was kind of my intent. Um, and that's when they start to build those relationships, even just friends, like what does authentic friendship mean? Yeah. And that's why I did love and responsibility mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. using each other, even as friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, is it good? <laughs> Yeah, which blew me away because I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I do use friends. Right. <laughs> um, and that's when they start to develop those, you know, like they start to become engaged. And what is that engagement based off of? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So for me, it was just like a no brainer. Like, oh my gosh, I just felt that calling huge when I was at the Theology of the Body Institute. Like this needs to get out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's so true. That is so true. Like I'm blabbing on and on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. I love that. And I think like that, I remember sitting in St. Isidore's and the love and responsibility and you're talking about use and it was like such a gut check and it was like, gosh, dang it. Like I use, you know, my siblings, I've used my friends, you know, and at that point I was dating, like, I feel like I've used my boyfriend for things. And so I think it was, and like, that was the one place that I was hearing it was like in those classes and in love and responsibility. So I think it's such an important message, especially like you said, in college, like at the start of like adulthood and, and making yep. decisions that are going to affect you for the rest of your life. So that's such Absolutely. a good point. That's Absolutely. such a good point. So cool. Thing. It was fun for me cuz I learned along the way like, oh, if I'm teaching this, then I need to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chance to keep learning. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> uh, this kind of piggybacks back onto nursing a little bit. You're talking about Janet Smith too, and she has some good things that she writes about natural family planning. Was she where you first learned about natural family planning from? Or, like, what made you interested in that subject initially? Yeah, I kind of, everything all, like, happened in the same, like, four or five years. So that's why when you asked me when I learned about JP2, I'm like, I don't even know. It's kind of this, it's kind of like, okay, I was kind of thinking about it. It's kind of like an ice cream cake. Mm -hmm. That's a great like, there's, there's layers in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's kind of like what the church's teachings, but it just never ends. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. an infinite ice cream cake. Hey, I'm down it's, for that. <laughs> I mean, the first layer, like, oh, man, this is good. And you get to the, the second layer where it's, like, the chocolate ice cream. It's, mm -hmm. like, even better. Then you reach the deep 
fudge. <laughs> and you're like, this, I can't stop eating this. <laughs> I have to keep going. <laughs> no turning <laughs> back. That's kind of what it was like. I just kept going further and further and so many, I mean, then I started eating like 10 ice cream cakes. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, that's a really bad example. No, that's a great analogy. <laughs> Um, so actually when I was in college during nursing school, when I was starting to learn about, uh, Jason Everett and everything, Mm -hmm. I, um, was teaching, I was one of the people for RCIA, one of the leaders for RCIA at my Mm -hmm. parish. And I, I don't know how I got the task, but we were teaching the different, you know, the 10 commandments and I was commandment six and nine. So basically the ones on sexuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I had to do some like research just about like the Catholic teaching on national family planning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that was already interesting me because I had a lot of women's health issues mm-hmm. as it was. And so I knew it would probably be harder for me to become pregnant if I became married and, mm-hmm. you know, try to conceive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of just was curious, okay, so what does the church provide? What are some solutions? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, all I'd heard about was like IF or IVF and IUI. And so I'm like, I don't think we believe in that, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, and that's actually where I just randomly saw the Creighton Model Fertility Care System. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I didn't read a lot about it, but yeah. like, that's pretty cool. And hmm you know, it has some solutions or maybe mm-hmm. some healing. So that's, that's, that's really all I touched on it. Mm-hmm. And then I went to go teach, um, that course that night. And one of the candidates had asked, um, so if, if, uh, contraception and natural family planning both have the intention of avoiding having kids, then really what, what, why can't we do it as Catholics? Why can't we contracept as Catholics? And so the sister that was teaching the class with me, she answered saying, well, one of them, the church approves of, and the other one, the church doesn't. Oh no. I like, I was like standing up in front of class and I'm like, "Ah!" there's more, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no and at that point I hadn't done you know a lot of like the theology of the body reading or anything but I just knew that answer wasn't right yeah so I'm like no that's wrong but I can't like say that to like a sister uh-huh. and so from that point on I was just like okay what is really the church's teaching on this like there has to be more than just saying no like you can't yeah do this you can't do that you can't contracept and so anyway um long story short so that kind of sparked my interest and then it wasn't until when I was in Kansas this was right before I was looking at being a campus right when I was looking at being a campus minister Mm -hmm. at K-State I ran randomly into a couple of nurses from this line of diocese Mm -hmm. and they were talking to me about, oh, the possibility of becoming, you know, the campus minister. And they were actively, I mean, they were nurses that were Catholic that like worked in the church as well. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you should look at becoming a, um, a fertility care practitioner. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it would count towards your nursing education. Mm-hmm. 
and you know you could keep your license current with that and for me I'm just like it was like one of those holy god moments of (laughs) the light came shining down together (laughs) (laughs) um yes um so I contacted the priest that wanted to hire me as a minister and said hey this is what I might be looking at that's this is how I could incorporate nursing Mm -hmm. He's like, wow, that's really awesome because we could get young people on board of natural family planning mm-hmm. even while they're in college. And then, um, yeah, so the, I mean, they were definitely on board for that. And mm-hmm. so I actually went for training my second year as a campus minister. Okay. So, yeah, I waited a year, um, got used to the ministry part, and then went my second year as a campus minister. Then, yeah. That's so, so cool. If you were to go back and answer the question that they asked in RCA, like what's the difference between NFP and artificial contraception? And if you can both use like both of those to not have kids, like why does the Catholic church say no to them? What would you say now? Like with all the things that you've learned since then? Well, this is actually what I kind of cover with um, when I do intro sessions for especially engaged couples mm-hmm. that come to me. Um, Cause that's usually a lot of my population are the engaged couples. Yep. Which is like, and so I kind of asked them, you know, do you know the teachings of the Catholic Church? Do you know, do you know why you're meeting with me? Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, well, no, not really. I mean, we, I mean, it's taught it maybe when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So at that point, I'm just like, well, <clears throat> basically, you know, they both have the same intention. So contraception and natural family planning, they're, they're used for family planning. Mm-hmm. It is a good intention to be able to plan your family, to space your kids, because, I mean, you can't have a zillion kids who are, who are like a year or two apart. I mean, some families are called to that, mm-hmm. and they have the special blessing graces of God, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but there's nothing wrong, and even, um, let's see, Pope Paul VI talks about this in Humanae Vitae, that it's, this is totally a discerning factor of the couple that they decide, you know, they have to discern between them and God. Is it a good time to have a baby or not? Yeah. And that's completely up to them and God. And um, so to, to naturally or to, to just plan your family is totally a good intention. Mm-hmm. And I kind of compare it to, um, and I think even Christopher West says this, but there is kind of like comparing a, a girl who wants to lose weight. So okay. she can either completely starve herself and not eat, mm-hmm. or she can learn how to eat healthy and exercise, and both of them in the end still lose weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what is their means to get there? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So if you think about it with natural family planning and contraception, um, and, and usually at the there's usually a lot of couples who come to me or just a lot of couples in general who are contracepting, but don't even realize, you know, the, um, the consequences of contracepting, mm-hmm. um, just how birth control, what it can do to your body and even what contracepting can do to your marriage. And we talk about how it's not a total gift of self. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something couples can really relate to that when you have a condom on, you know, the woman isn't completely receiving the man. Yep. It's not a total gift of self. And when a woman is on birth control, she's not completely giving herself 
to the man, you know, not her full fertility. Mm -hmm. And so it's just not that total gift of self and that can really impact your marriage. Yeah, that's so true. Um, Yes. And in a spiritual sense, um, when I end with the intro session, I say, you know what? God said in, or Jesus said in the Bible, love one another as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. And that's totally faithfully, fruitfully, and oh, I always forget the other. App. Freely? Freely. Yes. Thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Which are your marriage vows mm-hmm. when you go up there. And so you look at it, and I, I tell these couples, with national family planning, you're able to actually live out in flesh your marriage vows mm-hmm. because you are able to totally give of yourself totally. And you know, there's no barrier. There's no barrier. Every single active intercourse you're giving of yourself totally freefully because you know, you're not coercing each other faithfully to the end. Christ gave up his body to the end. Like I make the, the engaged couple. I'm like, look at that crucifix. Mm-hmm. He totally faithfully freely gave up of himself and fruitfully because, you know, in the end, Christ gave up his body and we have the church. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's fruit right there. Yeah. And yeah. with the couple being able to fully give of themselves there um, and no barriers or contraception, they, at each intercourse, they are able to say, well, we still um, are open to the possibility of life. Yeah. So the fruit the fruitfully part is there. Yes. So I'm saying you are living out your marriage vows every single time with that active intercourse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to, I have to kind of remember myself, this could be the first time that they've ever heard this before. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. And, and I can't take it personally if they react kind of differently or they kind of repel it. They can always, you know, I know what they, what I say can always just kind of, it's a seed. I planted a seed. Hopefully yes. Hopefully it has fruit, uh-huh. but, um, yeah, that's something I have to remember is, you know, a lot of, I know I didn't really grow up understanding contraception versus natural family planning. And I think we honestly have a huge population in our Catholic community that doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they just, wow, it's, it's kind of fun to go on that journey with them. Yeah. And to discover it going. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so neat. Um, So kind of back on like the medical reasons for natural family planning. So I remember when I was, I want to say in between 16 or 17 that I was struggling with like acne and I went to the doctor and was like, Hey, like, this is what I'm going through. I have, you know, awful cycles. They're really painful. And like, it was almost like a band-aid fix. Like, Oh, like, let's just put you on the pill. Like it'll clear up your skin. It'll regulate your hormones and things like that. And I know just from like talking to a lot of friends, like that's that I'm not alone in that. Like a lot of women have been told to like, yep, the pills, the fix all, like it's going to take care of you. So why is natural family planning like a good alternative to that? And why, I guess, is the pill not a fix all? Like, even if it does clear up your acne or quote unquote, like regulate your hormones, like why is that something that's not super great? Oh, woof. Oh, oh, man. This is something I could go on for hours about. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Because I, I personally live that route, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's one of those those things that God puts you through because he wants you to live out and experience something that you're, you you want to change. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I was in the same boat. I mean, I have 
severe P- or PCOS, mm-hmm. and so I'd go like seven months without having a period, and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. So, yeah, they they put they put me on the pill, mm-hmm. and you know what? Honestly, at that point, that was what was recommended. You mm-hmm. know, that's yeah. that was the treatment, and I didn't know anything different, and mm-hmm. neither did anyone really else that I talked to. Mm-hmm. So, but being being a nursing school, and then starting again, this is when I was in college. Learning about JP2 and mm-hmm. learning about theology of the body. And then um, I was really excited when in nursing school we got to the woman's reproductive health mm-hmm. part. I'm like, whoo, maybe I'll get some answers. Maybe <laughs> they'll finally explain to me what's going on. And it they, they did it. Mm-hmm. Gosh, <laughs> I, dang it. They, I mean, they went to, like, we really didn't talk, to, talk about reproductive health issues. I mean, we talked a little bit about infertility, mm-hmm. but the only thing they really said was, well, it's kind of unexplained and we don't really know why. Oh, wow. Like, okay. Like, that's not enough for me. No. And, um, I was on birth control at that point for probably like six years mm-hmm. and I was seeing a doctor and I'm like, you know what, this isn't really fixing the problem. Yeah. I remember having this conversation with her. I'm like, when I go to become pregnant, like if I get married down the road, we're back at square one. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, I really can't tell you what's going on. I can refer you to maybe an endocrinologist, but I'm like, why can't anyone explain to me what's going on? Yeah. And, um, I remember doing a, uh, actually a project in nursing school about teaching kids about like human or uh, just, just self-respect and like more of the chastity route. Uh-huh. Um, we had to do a, a project on a population that we saw an issue with for our nursing school. <laughs> and while I had like classmates of mine do projects on teaching contraception to college kids or no, to high schoolers, I did one on teaching, um, chastity. And I remember going up to my, my classroom and my teachers and asking them, okay, so you guys are going to high schools and teaching kids about birth control and contraception. And I'm like, do you even know how birth control works? Uh Uh-huh. And I think one or two of them raised their hands in my class of, like, 36. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We are nurses. Mm -hmm. Our job is to be advocates for these kids. Yeah. And, you know, help them choose what is best for them. And you can't even tell me how birth control works. Uh Uh-huh. So a lot of women, when they're put on birth control, it's, you know, and the Catholic Church doesn't condemn women who are on birth control for health reasons. Mm-hmm. But the reason they're put on birth control is because it will actually suppress any activity that's really going on. So mm-hmm. if they're dealing with endometriosis or PMS or that acne, it's just putting that your ovaries in a dormant state mm-hmm. because... Um, it usually has a progestin mm-hmm. component. So I'm going to make that clear. It's a progestin component. It's not progesterone, mm-hmm. not what your body naturally produces. Progestin is um, a different chemical mm-hmm. than progesterone. A lot of women don't know that. Mm-hmm. A lot of doctors don't explain that, but they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this progestin um, chemical will basically tell your body that it's pregnant and put it into a dormant state. And um, so your body won't ovulate. So it makes it more inactive. So that's why a woman won't have those PMS symptoms, those acne, because 
really what's going on is they could be having low progesterone levels in those parts of the cycle. Uh-huh. Um, but they never know that because doctors don't know how to really test for that necessarily, or they overlook endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, I asked like OBGYNs and, um, and asked them, you know, like, what do they teach you in medical school? Because this just doesn't make sense. Like, why aren't they figuring out what is covering the issue? Yeah. Like, you go to a doctor and you expect, can you tell me what's going on? And they put you on a pill that doesn't necessarily give you any answers. Yeah. And it's honestly what they are trained to do, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not that I'm blaming them, but at the same time, I'm like, doesn't your brain kind of question why are we doing this? I know I, I did. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's just kind of suppressing the issue and it's not really under, or it's not really explaining what is truly going on in your body. So, um, I am truly an advocate for all women who I I think all women should be charting their bodies, even whether they are engaged, married, Mm -hmm. single, um, chart your body, know what's going on with your body. It's very empowering Mm -hmm. to be able to look at a chart and say, this is what my body is saying. Um, I know with the Creighton model, I'm a huge lover of the Creighton model because there's a medical aspect. It's not just family planning Yeah, that they're able to look at your chart and say, maybe you do have PMS. So let's do some lab draws at these days in your cycle and just maybe you need some supplements of progesterone during this phase of your cycle and that'll help your PMS yep. substantially mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. so so you feel better you yes (laughs) your health is finally healed um because our reproductive system is like another it's just like another system in your body and when it's not working when one part of your body isn't working you don't feel good yeah that's so true and i i look at medicine and i i get so frustrated because i'm like okay this is the one area in medicine that um this pill will does like the opposite of what the reproduct or what the organ system is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everything else we have in medicine is supposed to help help your body um, work better, work naturally, work the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Whereas contraception does like the opposite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it stops your body from working the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And what a lot of women don't know too is birth control can actually um, thin out the lining of your your uterus so some birth controls will actually prevent you from ovulating mm-hmm. and that's one of the ways that you know prevents pregnancy but it also some birth controls will allow you to ovulate but it thins out the lining of your uterus so thin that if you were to ovulate that new life would have nowhere to implant mm-hmm. and it would just naturally abort mm-hmm. a lot of women don't know that yeah IUDs are an abortifant. I mean, it it irritates that uterine lining so much. There's no way to implant on that uterine lining. Yeah, and it's just women don't realize what they're putting in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's so ugh, it's so sad. Yeah, especially when like you go to the doctor's office and that's not something that's explained. Like, oh, here's the side effects of this. Like, this is something that could happen, but it's not. It's just like you know, here, let's put you on it and you know, trust it, and it'll it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 And it's almost coming to the point. I mean, they have a new shot. I think I saw 
was that on Facebook that a woman can go without a a cycle for five years? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, what is so wrong with our fertility? Yes, because it's treated like a disease. Like, that we've treated it so much like a disease that the idea of being able to go without a cycle for five years is something that's so appealing. Like, oh, that would be great because we're not recognizing the beauty of that. Like, or like women's fertility isn't looked at something that's good anymore. And, you know, when I was at the Theology of the Body Institute, they said this is exactly what Satan would want to do mm-hmm. is attack the woman's fertility. Mm-hmm. And because our fertility is that new life is what God had created. He said it was very good. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, again, the symbolism or just a representative of the Trinity because we are made it in God's image and having, you know, two become one flesh and make a third. Mm-hmm. It's just the Trinity over again, and yeah. it's it's Satan attacking that. That's so true. Yeah, and it makes I sense. I those birth controls, and I'm like, this is just Satan trying to say fertility is so bad when it's it's so good. good. Yeah, so, oh. so good. <laughs> That's so, so true. So, so good. <laughs> so this is kind of like on a more personal note. So you're getting, you're engaged, and you're getting ready to get married this fall, and how yep. did you integrate what you know about John Paul II and theology, the body, and NFP into your relationship? And so did your fiancé know about those things before he met you? And if not, how were you able to introduce them into your relationship without taking over his leadership role in that relationship? Man. Loaded question. That was Loaded. such a good question because <laughs> that, um, that was a huge part of our relationship. So Brandon and I actually met online. Mm-hmm. We, um, but we knew a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. It's kind of weird. So we met, we met on Catholic match, <laughs> which is one of those things I'm like, I'll never go online dating <laughs> only for the crazy people. Well, I ended up being one of the crazy people. <laughs> anyway, what, what is one of the blessings about Catholic match is that actually, I don't know if you've ever like looked at it or yep. anything. Yep. But... I was on it for a couple of years, actually. Hey, yep. you're familiar. So, I am, yeah. It's, it's nice because you answer, like, those those questions um, of different beliefs of Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Like, do you believe in, I think, I don't know, like, the full teachings of the Catholic Church? Do you, um, how many times do you go to church per week? And, yep. then, and then it asks, like, the question, do you believe in the church's teaching on contraception or sexuality? I can't remember. Yep, yep, that's one of them for sure. That was one of my huge things was if they said no to that teaching and like automatically no Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean it's not that you know people who don't believe in that they they can't be transformed or you know learn something new Mm -hmm. just I'm like I want someone who is solid in that area Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so and Brandon was he was you know he said yes to all those questions um and then I, I remember when we started like you know like chatting online (laughs) (laughs) um I I made the remark that the next guy I I don't know we were talking about theology of the body and stuff and he said oh yeah like I love I'm totally what the church is teaching and um I think he was reading men woman and the mystery of love oh yeah that point Mm -hmm. like oh that's awesome and I said I told myself the next guy I would date would have to read Love and Responsibility before I would date him. Uh-huh. So 
<laughs> well, you know, the guy ordered the book and read the whole thing in oh. like two weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a thick book. That's impressive. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny. I mean, if you've ever read that book mm-hmm. or anything by John Paul II, St. John Paul II, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, <laughs> it's literally like one sentence will take you 24 hours to yep. just try to break down. Chew on. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> He was like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, he read it, and we talked about it. And um, he's like, wow, I learned a lot. It was, you know, just about what he said about, um, let's see, about, like, lust in relationships and using each other. Mm -hmm. And just even, like, the teachings on marriage in the end and how the man has such an important role to play on, like, his leadership and um making sure you know like that that lustful desire doesn't enter the bedroom he has a huge role to play in that and so does the woman but I know it really influenced him Mm. and so it was it was really good to know like his foundation he came from like a catholic family strong catholic family and that was a big a big thing for him too with finding a woman was to make sure she believed in the church's teaching, especially regarding contraception mm-hmm. and natural family planning mm-hmm. and sexuality. That was a huge thing for him. Um, so it's something we both had in common and had talked about even before dating. I don't know. I wasn't afraid to talk about it and he wasn't either. And plus Catholic match made it pretty easy to keep those conversations open because or already the awkward conversations were already on your profile saying this is what I believe. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, it was honestly, and it still is kind of hard for me to learn my role in the relationship mm-hmm. because with loving all the stuff about theology of the body and natural family planning and yada, 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 I naturally tend to be wanting to take the leadership role. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> it's hard and mm-hmm. I think I've had to learn how to be a leader in a different way and in a feminine woman way of mm-hmm. um you know <sighs> Chloe this is something I'm still working on mm-hmm. it's it's something that we learn together yeah it's something that we explore together um it's something that I suggest instead of saying this is what we're gonna do yeah kind of kind of thing yeah um which Brandon would probably say yeah you're not really a suggester (laughs) (laughs) working on it you're working on it (laughs) but uh you know I will say being an engaged woman and um you know getting closer to that married point and regardless of everything I've read and learned I it's it's been it's been a struggle Mm -hmm. it's been a struggle Mm -hmm. to um you know, stay chased and remember, you know, the church's teaching mm-hmm. and to remember to save things from marriage mm-hmm. and to remember, you know, our sexuality is to be pointed towards God. Okay. So the last question, um, if a listener wants to learn more about natural family planning, if, especially more about the Creighton model, since that was what we talked the most about today, where can they find out some more info? Um, personal message me. <laughs> um, or you can go to fertilitycare.org. Perfect. Um, and really, we have practitioners throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. 
Um, I know in my class, I had classmates from Poland, a lot from Poland, um, Korea, and even Egypt and Mm -hmm. Germany. So we're located throughout the world. That's awesome. So I would really recommend, of course, you can look online um, about the Creighton Model Fertility Care System Mm -hmm. and just research yourself. But if you really want to learn more, I would go to an intro session or talk to a teacher because you'll want to know all about it. Yeah. You You want to know the logistics behind it. What all does this entail? What is, how can this help me in my situation? How can, how does this system work? All that will be answered at an intro session. And it's only about an hour long and um, they're either free or like $25 depending on where you live. But I highly recommend it um, for, for all women, single, engaged or married because really, especially like young women who aren't even, even if you're looking at going to the convent, mm-hmm. I know one of my friends is teaching a, a sister That's so who cool. has severe PMS symptoms. And she's going to her because, you know, to help manage that. And so she's seeing a doctor as well. But you, you can just go and just feel better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so go Self-care. Figure out what's going on with your body. It's very empowering. And then um, be healed and... Yeah. Live out that, that fertility, man. Amen. Thanks so much for, thanks so much for sharing your story and sharing all your knowledge about JV2 and NFP. This has been great. So thank you so, so much. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Again, it's a, it's a journey. So I still have lots and lots to learn. I know. So (laughs) nothing wrong with that. Thank you for listening to this episode. Check out the show notes for this episode at oldfashionedgirlblog.com. There you're going to find all the books that Brianna mentioned throughout this episode, as well as the websites that she mentions if you'd like to learn more about natural family planning. If you are a single lady, then cue the Beyonce music and check out my blog post, which is also found in the show notes. Um, And that blog post is called Why Charting Your Fertility May Be the Best Self-Care You Can Give Yourself. And that's all I have for this episode. Stay tuned for more new episodes to come. And until then, be not afraid.